I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Bora Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny, Dana, and Tom. We are the Bora podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Middlesbrough Football Club. Before we start, um, I just want to say thank you to the 126 people that have reviewed the podcast and give us a rating from the UK, America, Abu Dhabi, Australia, um, all the ranges. I had a sit, uh, I sat down yesterday and looked back at them all, and I absolutely loved reading through them. I had a long week as well. And it was, uh, it was just nice to sit down and see all the reviews. So thank you very much for that. But also, I want to thank Dom Smith as well for his review. Um, he sent me through a DM and he said, um, essential listen for all Borough fans, the right balance between entertaining and informative. In a time where we can't watch the Borough, um, this podcast has definitely helped with me keep up to date with the team. Having said that, I look forward to listening to these three for many years to come. So how nice was that from Dom? How nice was that? Uh, very Lovely. nice. But if you if you want to leave us a review, guys, do please do an Apple Podcasts uh, five-star review or whatever you think of the podcast. Well, that'd be really good and helpful for us. But if you want to DM us, our DMs are always open for anything. Uh, just give us a, a DM there. So now that's all done, let's chat about the Borough. Um, and Dana, well, Paddy McNair spared Borough uh, from potentially losing six games in seven at home with an 82nd-minute equaliser, uh, keeping Borough in ninth place on the championship table, five points off the playoffs. Um, Dana... Borough made four changes to the side that lost against Bristol City and probably less said about that result, the better. Um, with Mendes Lang, Grant Hall, Sombolonga and Max Tavernier all coming at the side. I think how nice was it to see Tav coming back in and why did Borough lack that creative edge yesterday? They did make the change, but we just didn't look like we were ever going to score. Yeah, I think it was because of the way that we were set up tactically. Um, I don't know whether it was a masterstroke from Neil Warnock and his intent was actually to play into Cardiff's hands until later in the game and then take advantage of tiring legs and then put Cabano on later on, or whether he just got it wrong. But whatever it was, for 70-75 minutes, it was a really, really tough watch. A good point, don't get me wrong, and, and defensively, Borough was sound, and I don't really think Kiefer Moore had much of a sniff in the game. It was only that long throw that was a lapse in concentration from Borough and poor quality defending-wise. But going forward, it was just, we were playing into Cardiff's hands, and if you were to ask Sean Morrison and Aidan Flint what they would want to defend against, it would be long balls forward towards the striker, and Britta Sommelonga isn't a target man anyway, so you're not going to get much luck out of punting balls forward. And it just felt like we were persisting on this, and, and it was it went beyond insanity at one point. I felt like I was going insane, and by full time, I felt like the, the energy had been zapped from me, and it, I mean, it was a good point, but the performance... The performance wasn't going defensively for me. Um, it wasn't until Cabano came on that we actually started to exploit Cardiff's weaknesses and work around them rather than playing to their strengths because we spoke last podcast about playing to our strengths. But yesterday we played to Cardiff's strengths and, and that was really frustrating to see. But nonetheless, a good point. Still some positives to take. Um, but yeah, that 
that game was, I think Mick McCarthy said it himself, it was probably one of the worst games that he's ever watched and he's probably spot on. Like, I mean, it felt like I was watching Rugby Union. Like, mm. same amount of time the ball was in the air and it would just come crashing down and then we'd just run the opposition half and then just boot it along again. And it was just like, this is the worst game I think I've ever seen. Was, I, bet, I bet there was some sore heads like, this morning, like getting up. Because the amount of heading I've seen, it was, it was incredible. Mm. It's a game head tennis. But anyway, Tom, it's been a long balls. We, we played a lot of long balls yesterday and, and Dana said that we were playing exactly to kind of strengths. But Warnock did change it in the second half. He brought on Spence, Johnson, Akpol and Cabano. Um, and it ultimately got Borat to play the ball on the floor. And then eventually we did score from from getting the ball on the deck, moving it qu- moving it quickly. And then eventually we, we managed to get the chance we needed and we, we put it away. But do you think the changes really helped Borat going forward because it just didn't look like we were capable of doing anything in that first half? Yeah, absolutely. I think for um, for most of that game, both teams just kind of cancelled each other out. And I don't know why we ever expect anything different when we play Cardiff, because I can't think of a game where we've played Cardiff probably in the last five years where it's actually been entertaining. There was one in the uh, one of the Tony Pula seasons where Warnock was still managing Cardiff. We played them away. I, I think it might have ended nil nil or something, and it was one of the worst games ever. <laughs> Not the worst game I've ever seen. That one still belongs to uh, when we played West Brom in the Premier League season. It ended nil nil. Rushed home from London that day to watch it, and it was terrible. But um, yeah. I think when when we started playing it on the floor a bit more, because we we did have flashes of uh, flashes of that in the first half. Um, I think Tav and Watmore in particular were trying to create across the floor, um, and it, it was great seeing Tav back in the team and trying to link things up. I think he was uh, a bit of a positive spark for us yesterday. But then as soon as we started bringing on the the kind of more um, pacey players who, who would play it across the floor. Uh, that's when we started picking up for the last 15. The the goal we scored was like something out of Scar Hero on the mobile. Like, you know, and you you can draw just like really weird passes to people because I kick out from that and Elliot at the start. How that made it to one of our players, I'll never know. But it was just like it was written. But uh, yeah, uh, to sum up, yeah, once we put those players on the pitch and played across the floor a bit more. Um, it obviously worked wonders for us, and I think that by the end, a fair, uh, draw was a fair result anyway. It was. Um, I mean, I wish I could have those ninety minutes back in my life, to be honest, because it was it was terrible to watch. Um, I had the candles going and everything just to try and spark some positivity in my life, and it just it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible for that whole ninety mm. minutes. You know what I mean? But it is what it, it is. What it is. But Tom, I want I want your opinion on Cabano because. Warnock absolutely slated his front three and benched him uh, from his performance on Wednesday, on Tuesday, sorry, against Bristol City. Um, and no, dis- no respect to him, I think the whole team was poor on that night. Um, but for me, every time I see him, he seems like a bit of a Kabbalah. Uh, so it's... Uh, sorry, that was that was awful, that one. That was absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> but he made, he made a real difference yesterday, though, didn't he? And he's made a real difference to the team going forward since his signing in January. Yeah, definitely. And I, to be fair, I think yesterday with him being on the bench, it could have just been to rest him. He's played a lot since he came in, um, whereas other Sands necessarily haven't. Um, and he could have been tired, made more of an impact on one on in the last 20 minutes. And obviously he did make an impact, so that ended up being a good thing for us. What I'd like to see um, going forward as soon as Balassi is back is someone on the other wing um, to kind of... Because I, I do notice people tend to double up on him when he's trying to get a crossing or um, attacking uh, one flank. Um, I think if we had Balassi back on the other side, um, it, it'd be a bit more balanced uh, and they wouldn't just think we're going for the... Adama Traore tactic of just give it to the the Percy winger and Obi Obi knocks it in. Um, that's no disrespect to Duncan Watmore as well because uh, I know he he does kind of play on the other side, but I feel like he's also kind of got a free role and drifts in centre quite a lot. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it, as long as we have someone on the other side to kind of take the the focus off him from the other team, uh, I think he can eat, kick on even further. Yeah, I think you can as well. I think we'll be very fortunate to get Cabano next year uh, from Fulham because it looks it looks pretty stark for them at the minute to stay up. So if they do come down, I can't, I can't see him 
can't see them letting him go. Um, obviously, Bettinelli's out of contract anyway, so it looks like he could potentially be a sign up for Bora next year. But uh, for me, yeah, I think I think about us a lot, and I agree with you as well. It'd be nice to see Balassi in that role, or even play Johnson in further up the pitch because statistically he's Bora's most creative player and he's contributed to the most goals this season. So it, it's strange to see him on the bench for the majority of the time, but. For, for, for me, I feel like we have to try and at least give him a go probably on, on Tuesday night against Coventry. But um, there was a noticeable uh, part of the game yesterday. It was just when the players were running out and obviously Warnock alluded to it in, in his press conference. It's about Johnny Houston. Um Houston is now captain for Borough for the remainder of the season, taking the armband off Brit. Do you think, Dana, that, that pretty much signals Brit's exit from the club? Now? Do you think it's time that his, his Borough career is coming to an end? I think it's pretty much common knowledge now, isn't it, that Brits, you know, the writing's on the wall for him. I will say, though, it's weird timing from Warnock, and it, I do take that as maybe Warnock accepting that Borough probably aren't going to place in the playoffs this season because, at least in my opinion, surely the best thing to do is to put his arm around Brit and say, right, I trust you you know, lead us to the playoffs for the rest of the season rather than taking the armband off him. I do think it indicates that Warnock probably expects Boris, Boris' season to peter out, essentially. Um, that coupled with the comments about Tuba, which we'll talk about um, shortly, I just feel as though now we've got two out-of-form strikers that, you know, whose confidence is, is shot. So it's it's a strange one i'm not necessarily saying it that it's the wrong decision because i do think it's the wrong decision i just think the timing of it is strange um you know he's gone back over on himself from his initial decision earlier on this season and uh, yeah i just think the timing of it is is a bit of a head scratcher for me and it, it like i said i think it shows that warnock accepts that this season's probably going to peter out now he didn't ad- openly admit yesterday that borough's playoff chances are a no-go because mathematically they still are but he did admit that it's going to be difficult because of the teams in around us and the momentum that they have compared to us Obviously, our home form is is wretched at the moment, and we are inconsistent. So that probably culminates into Borough just missing out this season. So yeah, I think the writing's on the wall for Brett. Good luck to whoever takes his place, because Borough are cursed with strikers, and um, Borough fan logic is we have no creativity. So let's blame the striker. Oh, well, I mean, I can see where you're coming from with that. But I think I think Brick doesn't help himself either. Like it's it doesn't. Like his no, touch, he doesn't. His, his touch, yes, his touch, his movement. Yes, it just seems so off and poor. And uh, to be brutally honest, and I don't think he's he's shown his quality this season at all. To be honest, I think he's he's definitely a talent. You know, in, in the in the seasons that we've had him, he's shown a lot of glimpses of of real quality. Um, uh, and his and his movement in the box was very very solid. And you know, his, his goal record speaks for itself. It is relatively solid in a Borussia. I think it's one in three, I think, that he had. Um, so, for me, yesterday, it didn't work. Captaincy, we said at the start of the season, it could be a masterstroke by Warnock to give him the captain's armband, to give him that, that kick up the backside he needs and put and put some wind in his sail and hopefully, you know, see him for the end of the season, hopefully fire us up to the Premier League. But for me... It, it hasn't worked at all. He's he's, he's done now. I think that's his, his Borough career pretty much finished. Unfortunately, we probably can't afford to like not play him because he's on probably that much money. It's it's pretty foolish not to. Um, and we need the striker anyway with with Fletcher being injured again. So yeah, it, it seems pretty much the end for 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 Samba longer now. But I think Housen's a great captain. And Tom, would would you agree now that Housen's probably a, a better? than what Brit could be and do you think it's Brit's time don't you think it's, it's over and done with yeah well I will say about Brit um, I've stuck up for him before on, on the pod like like Dana said uh, the the logic a lot of the time seems like we've got no creativity so then Brit but then he's still managed to pull out double figures every season and I've always kind of said um, I'd rather we had a striker in that position to, to miss the chances he does than, than not because we've had our fair share of them uh, particularly during Strachan's era, but I don't really want to think about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's not. <laughs> to, to be fair, uh, I don't think, particularly over the last couple of months, Brits looked that interested. Um, I think, like, like you said, he has shown quality in, in the last few years, but he just hasn't. Like He's, he's, he's not even been in the position to miss those chances uh, over the last couple of months. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely... 
his time at the club's coming to the end, and I think Housen's a great choice to replace him. Um, you know, he's a very experienced player. He's been promoted before. He's played in the Premier League before. Um, probably everything you'd want, kind of, in in a in a leader for for the younger players to look up to. Yeah, he's arguably been Boris probably best player for the last few seasons anyway, uh, especially under Woodgate where. It was a really poor season. He was really consistent in that, and he was consistently good and could play anywhere and improved how much of a good professional he is. So I think it's a it's a great move for Warner to give House in the captaincy. But like we've said, I think it's Brit's time is, is very much coming to the end. I thought like he was going to get a move probably in the January, but it's never materialised. And he could be a little bit fed up, I think. But at the end of the day, you've got to try and win yourself a contract somewhere else now because it'd be... If you watched him on that sort of performance yesterday and the way he's been the last couple of months, Jesus Christ, you'd be lucky you get a team in League One. In League, fairness, the, the though, way... in fairness, though, if I was playing up front and they're just hopelessly punting it forward, I wouldn't have the best body language either. Like, And I know that I always stick up for Brit. Um, I do acknowledge his, his issues. I did think he could have, he should have came short a few times um, yesterday and his movement isn't particularly great. But... I don't really know what people expected yesterday. The way that we were set up tactically, whether it was at Pom Fletcher or or Britt, I don't mm. think any of them. Well, I think Fletcher's best suited to you know for that target man hold up play sort of game. But um, I don't know what you expect from him yesterday. I, I think you know the way that Borough was set up to play it was just let's hit the ball up long and hope for the best. That was what it was. It was just hit and hope, and there was no real conviction to it. It was just let's get the ball up the pitch as quickly as we can, and you know that is food and drink for Inflint and Sean Morrison so it was it was never going to be a good afternoon for Brit yesterday yeah uh, I, I think it's, I think you're true but I think, I think it's probably Warlock's problem that it, it, it didn't work out yesterday uh, but I think with, with Brit I was more like alluding to like the last couple of seasons like yeah it might not be it might not be great for him but you do create your own look as a forward and yeah I, yeah it might not be statistic we might not have played with his, his strengths but there's still things he can do where he could potentially influence the player and get in those positions and put the and put the position, and put the chance he has away when he gets them. You know what I mean? That's what separates the 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 people from the top to all down at the bottom. You know what I mean? Taking taking the chances, but sometimes he just doesn't take them, and it's it's equally frustrating. But I'll move on to Chief Rack Pump then. Um, Neil Warnock wasn't particularly happy with him either, <laughs> to be honest. He'll be in a very good mood at, at the moment. Neil Warnock, you know, blame no. recruitment as well, but. <clears throat> Do you think his comments were pretty harsh around Chubarak Pom? You know, it's his first season back in English football. And, you know, we, we did pay £2.7 million for him. It was his sign. It was his number one choice. So for him to backtrack and pretty much blame him for his poor performance, do you think it was pretty harsh? Yeah, it was harsh and it was baffling because, like you said, when Chubarak Pom was signed by Borough, the first thing that Neil Warnock said was, I've been you know, wanting him for a while and he's my first choice. So he switched it up and flipped the script to he was the recruitment team's first choice and we shouldn't go signing players based off what we see on the internet, which I hope isn't YouTube highlight reels because can you imagine that? That would be something else. I'm hoping it's that he's talking about Y Scout there, but... I, it's it's a strange one with um, Akpom, and I jumped to the defence of the recruitment team two podcasts ago. But with things like that that come out, it's hard to trust them. And I even said that back then. But the you know that comment was was a little bit of a head scratcher. And I would like to hope that Chuba Akpom would hear those comments and use them as fuel for motivation rather than to get down on himself. But it's one thing that's irked me of many things this week and the second time actually in the space of a couple couple of days that Neil Warnock has gone back on his own words so there's been some baffling things coming from from Borough this week I must admit and I just think it all it all comes down to what I mentioned earlier that I think everybody pretty much accepts that this season's going to peter out now. So what has been irking you this week then because you said there's, there's been quite a couple of things that have, have upset you what 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 have been those things then? Well, obviously the the performances, the performance on Tuesday and then the performance yesterday, and I just feel as though uh, what is coming out 
this week has, has made me go back to last season of what is the direction of Borough now? What are we going to do going forward? And with things like that that come out about the transfer team, and this isn't the first time that um, Neil Warnock has, has sort of shifted some blame onto the, the recruitment and essentially openly criticised them. Um, with that in mind, that the same problems are still very much there. I do feel as though Neil Warnock is a plaster of uh, a deep cut with Borah and something needs to be changed going forward. I hope and I pray that, you know, whether Neil Warnock stays on um, in, the, in the future, that we can progress as a team collectively. I know you mentioned uh, last podcast, I think it was Johnny, about Graham Potter and Brighton and how they have a stitched in style rather than just going to, from manager to manager. I'd love to see that. But I just think we need some longevity because the past couple of, of seasons we haven't had that and I think that is what Borough need. So I'm, I'm trying so hard to trust the club but with their recent decisions, um, it's it's hard too. So I don't know, I think things have come out this week that have made me a little bit worried, I'd say. Yeah, it, it's always paper over the cracks of Borough and it, it has been for Definitely. like the what last three seasons. So it, nothing's really going to change. I feel like Tony Pierce was a short-term, short-term plan. Um, Jonathan Woodgate was that, you know, well, we'll we'll make it a four, five-year plan where we'll have golden thread, and it didn't go right at all. And it, the reason probably why it didn't go right is that you threw him and threw him in at the deep end. You didn't build experience around him. Well, he could have probably had he should have had the experience around him. Like it was his choice to do that, but didn't build the experience around. Him. He didn't give him really, didn't really give him a chance to to bring in quite a lot of bodies. I think he, he, the three players that he's brought in have turned out to probably be good signings um, now. Uh, but we were looked like we were going to be a sinking ship under under Woodgate. So Warnock's came in to short-term plan again. But the next time we do something, now we have to stick to it. We have to stick to whatever we want to do, whether it's possession style, or like, a, like a, a Steel River like style where it's like aggressive football that represents the town or something like that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like something something that helps Borough fans become, you know, well connected to the club, but then also feel feel as though they can buy into a project which could be for the, for the long term of the club, really. But currently writing a little uh, blog post on that, Dana, so I'll uh, Looking forward come to very it. soon. Yeah, so hopefully I don't get in trouble again. Um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, Tom, but we'll we'll move on. Um, we'll chat about recruitment because Dana has alluded to it as well, and I just mentioned it there around you know recruitment haven't got things right, and we've tend to make probably I would like to say we've tried to bring in players at a high fee for high reward. <clears throat> Um, but it hasn't really worked when teams such as Brentford, Norwich, and Brighton have brought in players on a low on a low fee, low risk, but it can also make marginal gains to improvement. Um, but are you a little bit disappointed the way that Warnock's constantly shifting the blame on like the recruitment team? He's not really taking accountability for the mistakes that he's potentially making. To be honest, I'm I'm not sure what to make of that because I'm not sure how much of uh, an input the manager actually has into these signings. I think even if you look back over the last few years, we've had like Woodgate apparently pitched uh, Dykesdale Bowler and Marcus Brown in his job interview as, as three players that he wanted to sign. But then going back before that, you had Pulis signing uh, centre-mids and centre-backs, which I assume was uh, his his input, and then signed one winger that he never played. Um, then you, you look at like... Gary Monk, how much of that was his? I'm not sure whether was that whole thing with uh, uh, him and his agent wasn't there. Um, but yeah, we, we did want to kind of smash the league and we've, we've signed players who were established championship players, um, but maybe not necessarily fitting into a system. Even, I, I think the last time we kind of got it right and you could tell it was the manager having uh, a, a big input and it was, was Karanka. But then we we didn't follow through kind of all the way with that because he was having the same kind of rant in press conferences Warnock's just have saying um, you know uh, it, it was a Guardiola and Justed and Bamford weren't his signings where mm-hmm. it was um, you know apparently Snodgrass Rodriguez Boyan at the time so 
I'm not sure how much of a kind of disconnect or input there is there from the manager and the recruitment team, but it'd be interesting to to find out. But you know whether or not we actually would, don't know because it's a lot of it happens behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what to what to kind of make of it. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because like when you're looking at the signings that we've made, have we made them based on stats? Have we seen them live? Have we actually made a uh, you know like put a, like a portfolio together or a part on these players? Would they be a fit? Would they not be a fit? Characterized? How are they? Who do they hang around with? There's so much that goes on with transfers now. Um, so it's, yeah, it's I mean. A big... uh... At the start of the season as well, Warnock said about the recruitment team, they, they showed him a, a couple of centre-backs who were supposed to be the best in Europe and he watched the video and he was like, they can't tackle. And I was like, oh yeah, but we've got all these stats. And he was like, I'm telling you, they can't tackle. Yeah, I mean, well, hey, the best the best defenders in the world don't tackle. They actually positionally are very, very good, so they don't really have to just intercept it at times. So it's an interesting one like that. But yeah, with like Warnock's type of signings, like, he wants those two planks of wood at the back and be big brutes. So when the ball does come in the box, you're going to just head it back out again and you're not going to get very far from it. But then we said on the last podcast that statistically Warnock doesn't do well in the Premier League because his centre-backs probably aren't aren't quick enough to deal with the likes of like the Aguero or Rashford's of the world. You know what I mean? They, they probably can't cope. Um, hence why he tends not to do that well or he doesn't have the budget to do well either. Um, but... In terms of performances, Dana, uh, Borough have now had five defeats and seven at home, obviously, with, with the draw on Saturday. Um, it is quite worrying um, to have that home form. You've alluded to being a bit, a bit worried with like Borough's current performances. Um, do you think we've just necessarily been found out, or do you just think that Borough have kind of waved the white flag and thought, mm, the season, we're not going to be, we're not, probably not going to go up because there's probably better teams? And we just thought we'll put some poor performances in for a while. But do you think it's a little bit worrying that uh, we have we have we've been quite poor at home? Yeah, I think we I think we have been found out. I know you've you've got a, a note there about possession, and we were talking about it on the group chat the other day. And I think I mentioned that in four out of the last five defeats, we've actually had the majority of of the possession. It was only Wickham that was the um, exception to that, but they're rock bottom of the table. They're the worst team in the league by far, so you could probably expect that. But um, it seems as though teams are content with letting us have the ball because they know that we don't have the conviction to threaten them basically we don't have the quality or the idea to be able to take advantage of that and it's frustrating because we do have a good plan a. you know we have a fantastic planet it's gotten us to a really good position it's gotten us close <clears throat> to the playoffs we seem to like to play on that underdog tag of going against teams that do like to dictate possession and basically sit back contain nullify their threats and then try to get at them down the wings but then when we have the majority of the ball we just we look like we don't know what to do with it and there's there's just this block um from the midfield and the defense and we can't get past it and it's it's frustrating I think we just need somebody with you know incisive passing that you know can make that pass that splits the defense and work it down the channels and and try to essentially get beyond the um, the back line and we just don't have that quality we have pace now with Cabano Balassi um, the likes of you know Mendes Lang as well what more is pretty quick um, and, and nimble so we've we've added to it but I think we still lack that one player for me um, and it's disappointing to see because I think uh, a playoff push is built on good home form and Borough don't have that so um, sorry to be a, a negative Nancy I'm being proper negative and defeatist this podcast but um, I think that's a, a big contributing factor to why I don't think Borough are going to get the playoffs this season sorry yeah well yeah well we, we here's here's a stat then Dan, around, around possession so I know last week we spoke about crosses and we said that Borough defend really well against them and then we went to see Bristol City score from their only successful cross of the game, which was absolutely hilarious. I just thought, yeah. well, that was that's typical, Borough, isn't it? You know, one out of six crosses, and one of them was successful, and they end up scoring from it. Um, but in terms of possession, Borough are a counter-attacking team. Uh, it's supported by data and, and stats, and when you watch us as well, we tend to want, we want to break with pace um, when we do have it. But here's our stats when we've had more possession in a game. We did put a tweet out as well, so if you haven't seen it, um, it's on our Twitter 
uh, page as well. But Borough have won two. They've drawn one and lost 14 games in all competitions when they've had more possession of the ball this season. <laughs> Pretty stark stat, to be honest, because <laughs> it shows that Borough aren't very good with the ball um, and they don't have the that, that ability there to really break down teams. But, Tom, <laughs> what can Borough do in the interim to try and improve this stat? Because... <laughs> It, it looks pretty horrendous. <laughs> what, what can we what can we do to make our attack a little bit better? I think uh, I think we covered it a little bit earlier, um, and it's keep it on the floor. For me, um, we're, we're not good enough with possession, obviously, to to win games. And I know we all kind of uh, like different styles of football. I know you said last week you were a big fan of possession. I was the same. And Karanka was manager. I didn't kind of get some of the. The, the morning from some of the people around me in the stadium because we were passing it back or passing it sideways. It's like, yeah, but they still can't score if they don't have the ball and we're recycling possession and, and you know, making them chase us, tiring them out and then, like, hitting them when, when we find a gap. Um, kind of like, you know, really scientific way of, of, of boxing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just kind of tiring just other jab. people out and jab them and, you know, eventually when there's an opening, hit them. Um, I think at the moment, what what we have when we have more possession is we pass it around quite a lot, quite well out, outside of uh, their box, get it to one of the flanks, and then cross it in to a Sombolonger who still, as much as you know, Warnock or Peelers would have liked, still hasn't grown six inches and isn't going to get on the end of these crosses over people like Aidan Flint. Um, and and also what what I notice is like we'll ha- we'll have games where we play it across the floor and do quite well, then revert to going long ball the next game, um, and then again Asombolong is still not big enough to actually win them. So I, I think at the moment it, it is going to be more keeping on the floor. I'd like to see Tav playing kind of more of an advanced centre midfield number ten role because I thought he did really well at that yesterday. Get Cabano and Balassi on the wings, uh, as they'll be able to run at centre backs and actually create something. And you know what? Based on performance yesterday, in the, in the brief time we saw him, and I know Warnock might not like this as it wasn't his uh, first choice, but play Akpom up front because I thought he, he assisted the goal well yesterday, which I, I thought he, he did well to to do that. But also that there was. Um, a point in the game where he won his header, it went out wide, and he, he got it at his feet. He was quite good at his feet. He burst into the box with a little bit of pace on his left foot and, and fired the shot at goal, which was on target until it either got blocked or got saved. I can't remember what it went out for a corner. Um, but I, I think that that's the type of football that suits him. So if we're, we're to play it on, on the floor, have someone like Tav finding the passes from midfield and, and playing it through the gaps... Have Blassie and Cavano on wings being able to run at people and, and maybe cross it in. Bomb could actually be effective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I think it's all around, all around about playing through the lines, trying to gamble in and out, in and out the box. You know, there's, there's trying to play at your strengths, getting the ball out wide. And if you want to play the low cross, I feel like that would probably suit what we have a lot better than knocking the ball in as high as we possibly can, just get on a big brute's head, which is very common in the championship you know a lot of championship teams have that big brute cent- uh, center back and you know who kick lumps out of everyone because it's the championship that is how the whole standard is you know if you have quality there and that intricate passing in it where it's crisp and you can get in around that's when the teams tend to do well when you look at the likes of Norwich and Brentford Swansea the reason why they're at the top of the table is because they're able to cut open teams because they're able to have that cut through the cut through the lines and essentially create chances which some teams like us don't really do that well because we just hope for the best by hooping the ball along and see if we can get the second ball and we don't tend to win that anyway. So it's just like watching like the cycle over and over again. Do you know, like, you know, like Scooby Doo where like he's run he's running across like the he's chased after someone, it's the same like same background but time and time again. So that's what it was like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Um but yeah, I think with, with us it's just has about intricate passing. And you some you do need the player sometimes to do it, you need that little bit of brilliance um to do it. But I think that position really it shouldn't really come from a number 10 and everyone talks about a number 10 being the keystone to your attacking play probably disagree I think I think your centre defence midfield it probably is that key when you look at like the Tiagos of the world 
going to say Harrison Reed at Fulham, where he's he's very very good at breaking down the plate and getting them moving a game where he gets gives it off his cheek and all. Oh, I was going forward and John Obi McKell prime example John, for us a couple of years ago. John McKell, he looked like he was in ten yards of space every time he had the ball and we were able to create chances from him. Um I don't know he said under Woodgate, but he didn't do very well and, and barely uh wrote a blog about it. But Ravel Morrison. Ravel Morrison was very, very good off the ball. Like he was always in loads of space. But he couldn't really uh you know, he obviously didn't do anything else with it. But in terms of Someone else, Dana. Um, do you think Boris should go in the market now to look for these type of players? Hopefully try and get somebody. I know we said about Tav there. Harrison Reed, like a crab type player. Um, should we look probably to bring someone in like that? Yeah, I think so. I completely agree with you about the defensive midfielder and how I think they're, they're probably the most pivotal part of the midfield. And um, I have grown to like Boris midfield a lot more this season, but there's still a player missing, and for me, it's somebody that can take it on the half turn and get Bora forward. Um, you know, that can play the penetrative pass and, and and just I don't know that the risk taker. I mean, I watched a lot of 1860 Munich games, and they have one player called Richie Neudecker, who I, I put a um, a video up about uh, the other day. So silky on the ball, might not necessarily. Um, always have the the quality on it in terms of final pass or whatever but for the most part he does and um he's somebody that brings the team forward that connects the dots in midfield i think borough needs somebody like that we've got similar midfield players who i think are hard working and they are good at, at sort of the the individual duels in midfield but I think we need somebody that can take the ball get Bora forward you know play it diagonally across to the you know what Moors and the Cabanos um and play it through as well I mean in my Coventry notes I've got a, a few um pointers about through balls um and we just need somebody that can do that somebody that can take it on the half turn you know has the agility to be able to to, you know, to take it round players to just keep us ticking in, in midfield. Um, we've had some decent midfield performances this season, but I still think there's something missing in that middle, the middle of the pitch. And um, uh, yeah, I would like to see a, a, a different type of midfielder in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it'd be interesting to see who we bring in. I think when we look at Marzi, Housen, and Savile, they're all very similar players. And well, Housen and, and Marzi very similar. Savile's slightly different. He's more of a box-to-box midfielder. Um, but yeah, I feel like we just need that that little bit of quality. Um, who can that like you said there? Get the ball on the half turn. Get out wide when we need you. You know, dictate the player really. Just to really yeah. dictate the player. I just, I like, just don't think we have that. Barry Bannon, you know, take like dropping deep, taking the ball from deep, working the way up the pitch that way. You know, and Barry Bannon's name always comes up when we talk about players like that. But he's done it so many for so many years in the Championship where he just drops deep, picks up the ball turns off he goes has the creativity has the, the creative eye to be able to spot the openings we don't have that type of midfielder for me for a second there I thought you were going to say Barry Robson I was like what like, that's, a, that's a massive throwback that's a massive I throwback I love Barry Robson um, the Barry Robson back, bring them all back Willow Flood Chris Willow Killen. Flood Chris Killen Scott McDonald Chris Boyd um, <laughs> <laughs> but in, in terms of one thing that hasn't really changed for us this, this year is is probably the defensive side of our play. Um, I know we said about going forward, but defensively, a big, big weakness for Borough um, is pacey sides. And I know I mentioned it there with like the likes of Swansea um, and, and Norwich and Brentford. They all have quick players in and around it. We identified last week that we're not the quickest, um, and that is the reality of it defensively. Um, do you think it's the reason why we play the way we do then is to protect the defence? Because... If we're a very expansive side, I feel like we get cut open very, very quickly because um, we're just a, a little bit too slow on the turn. Um, do you think that's probably the reason why Warwick's got us trying to play that long-term play is to essentially just try and protect the defence because we're not as strong as we want to be um, and just hope for the best going forward? Is that, do you think that's Warwick's plan? Yeah, I th- probably. I mean, I don't necessarily think you need pace to defend against pace. Of course, it helps because you're not at an immediate disadvantage. But I just think you need the awareness of movement and when those players are going to try to, you know, make those runs in behind the defence. Um, 
to be honest, I feel like Neil Warnock was set up the way that he does anyway, regardless of the players that he had at his disposal, because that's just what he's done for 40 odd years in management or however long he's been in the game for. It's it's the type of football that Neil Warnock seems to want to play. I will say, though, that out of all of these experienced managers, Neil Warnock seems the most adaptable to a team and a squad, which is fantastic to see. Usually you see an experienced manager come in and, you know, they're, they're stubborn as old boots and they will not um, move away from what they're used to. But it it doesn't really work against the um the pacier sides and it's just because of quality you i think we do have to recognize that we have dyke still in defense who's a center defensive midfielder turn right back turn center back but also sometimes plays right back then you've got paddy mcnair who's came through as a defender then became a midfielder and then now he's gone back to defence. Um, and then you've got Dale Fry. So Dale Fry's the only out-and-out centre-half that we have. So I'm not saying by any means that that back three, I'm taking a three-five-two yeah, in this example, is bad. I think it has the platform to be a good defence, but we're going to have issues with it. Um, and I think we've seen that this season. Um, I do think they've got the ability to grow, though. And, and Bora's... Um, style of player has the ability to grow as well we just need to plug gaps you know we're not a million miles away from being a, a really good side that can get into the playoffs we just need that little bit extra um quality like we said in midfield out wide up front i think that's that's what we need uh yeah but in terms of what we got at the moment tom it, it seems pretty much abundantly clear that while we brought in cabano balassi and mendes lang it is just to catch teams on the break isn't it yeah definitely i think uh you know it's a bit it's a big part of our our game plan just to you know soak soak up the pressure force them out wide get the crosses into the box and obviously we we said stats wise we are good at defending those then get it out and and, and try and hit them on the break for me um the team this year it's not complete um and as Stana just said we we do need bits of quality kind of all over the pitch but what I'd liken it to is that season where Karanka first came in and he was having to kind of play players, you know, shoehorn him into certain positions. I'm thinking like Emmanuel Ledesma, fair enough. He, he, he had, uh, you know, a decent bit of form on, under Karanka, but he, we signed him as a winger. I think he ended up playing as a number 10 for, for a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, he didn't have the players at his disposal that he would have wanted. And then we dressed that in the summer. Um, and it was kind of a very complete transfer window. What I'd like to see from us going into next season, um, as long as Warnock's still here, is kind of have a more complete transfer window than the one we've had. Because the last couple of years, fair enough, I know finances have been uh, something that's held us back. Um, But it kind of feels like we've addressed certain areas in the summer. uh, Then everyone could see kind of heading into the seasons we are lacking in other areas. Um, And then we'll address those other areas in January where it's already kind of too late um not saying it was kind of too late for for this season because we were doing all right but a lot of the teams uh the players must have been fatigued from that first half of the season because we didn't have any depth um so maybe that's still having kind of a an after effect now yeah no i agree and let's move on to the questions um as well because it does we do come to a point on that um, so thanks for everyone who sends questions this week we'll break them down now but Charlie's the first one and he says um, with us being a counter attacking team I th- we, we pretty much alluded to most of this point but it's uh, with us being a counter attacking team is the, is the only way to change by bringing different players or can coaches teach players to be effective when we know teams will come in and sit deep um, and keep on the deck um, so can Borough change it maybe in terms of the players that we have, Tom, or is it a case of we just need to probably bring in some players to, to fit a certain style? Um, I, th- I think it's a bit of both. We, we could try and and coach them to to be a bit more patient with possession and, and play a certain style, but I don't think that's likely to happen. As much as I would like to see it happen, it does seem like we brought players in to just play that certain style. Like we just in the last question, it was a very counter-attacking style. We're trying to get crosses into the box. We're trying to get our striker to get ahead on it. Um, so uh, as much as I would love to see us kind of be coached and uh, to be in a bit more patient with possession, I think we can all see when 
we're in the games where we have more possession. Our plan is to kind of pass it around the midfield, then go out wide, try and aim to get a cross in and get someone's head on it. Yeah, <laughs> just pretty much answered the question very well then, mate. I, I like that. Um, Dana, is Borough's recruitment as bad as people say? Um, the last few windows we've made, we've had, made some smart buys, such as Watmore, Dyke Steel, Ballyman, and Lang. We've got the with the resources. We've got. Is it fair to start off the recruitment team other than Akpom's like the recent signing, which has potentially been a flop? Um, is Boris recruitment as bad as it as we think it is? Oh, it's a difficult question to answer because I will mourn to the high heavens about Boris recruitment team, as we all have on this podcast many times before. I will say, I won't think it's as bad as some people say, because we do need to give them credit for the likes of Dyke Steel Baller. You know, McNair got criticised when he was here. Houston got criticised when he first came here. Savile as well has, has improved this season. Um, I think Hall seems like a pretty good buy from the, the limited time that we've seen, but he seems like a solid signing. Um, and Morsey, I think, you know, I quite like the signing of Morsey as well. So I do think we need to give them credit. But all in all, I mean, Neil Warnock has sort of said himself that there needs to be things changed in the recruitment team, whether it's a change of approach that you look into, you know, the Brentford way of number crunching, essentially. I know that Neil Warnock doesn't particularly like that and even said yesterday about the game, I know I'm not a stats man, but we dominated the game statistically. So he doesn't seem to particularly like numbers and statistics, so he'll love this podcast. But I think... I, I don't know, it's difficult to trust them, like I said a couple of podcasts ago, because we do always go into a transfer window and it's like, Borah's linked with this player and Borah's linked with that player, and then we never get them. And eventually it starts the great on fans because they start to get impatient naturally. I mean, half of those players, you know, you, you never know, Borah might not actually be in for it, it might be agent talk, but it does start to, to chip away at your confidence in the recruitment team. Can I say that hand on heart I trust them? No, absolutely not. But I do think they deserve a little bit more credit than than we we give them. Um, I don't know the structure of the recruitment team anymore. Is, is Gary Gill still <clears throat> a part of it? You know, that's the clarity that I would like to yes. to know. One man I know that is Tom Green and Tom from the, from one borough. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not. I can't even tell from Football Manager. I mean, <laughs> we've got That's a different chief scout on it this year, so <laughs> it, like Gary Gill's still there, but according to Football Manager, it was a different chief scout. <laughs> um, but yeah, with, with Boris, with Boris recruitment, doing it. Yeah, it, it's hard to to slate them at times, but also you, you can point the finger. But it's, it's I think it's both parties of the manager. The recruitment staff to try and get the right players in. But I think the best thing that happened to Borough, and I know financially it's going to be a really big struggle for us because of COVID, but COVID might be the one thing that might be positive for Borough in terms of recruitment because it's going to have to force a club not to buy and spend loads of cash on players that might not potentially be be the right fall for us. They can actually take low risks now on players that are probably a lot cheaper and probably a lot of free agents kicking around. It's going to force us to probably delve into those markets and be really technical on how we bring in players now um, rather than just splash the cash on anyone. So I think that's probably the only positive I can potentially bring from COVID. But in terms of the recruitment settings, yeah, we, there, there is improvement to be made. It's not never going to be perfect. You're always going to get signings that aren't always going to be great. Um, but if you can try and get a bit better and you can not maybe spend enough, a lot of money on, on high risk, players then that'd be probably perfect i think the problem we've got is 16 million for brit 10 million for breath we're 7 million for george savile 7 million for edmund flint five for house and five for for mcnair um seven for ashley fletcher uh the list goes on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so yeah it, it's not been particularly great but we have got a little bit better in the last couple of seasons with obviously with what more dykes steal baller um, Marcus Brown, he, he did look quite good this season, season when he until he got injured. So, yeah, well, well, well it's a, it's a long term process. I think Borough fans have to be patient with it, but we have something has to give, uh, whether it's the manager or the recruitment team that gets sorted out. Um, but next question, it's from Danny Beardmore. Um, he says, if that Cardiff team uh, we played against today was the blueprint of a team Warnock wants to build for Borough over the summer, would you want him to stay? I wouldn't. So, Tom. Um, would you like us to play like that Cardiff team? Would you like Warnock to stay on, or 
Would you like to see Borough go in a different direction? Um, I mean, I'd like to see him stay on, uh, to be honest. I said in our group chat yesterday, I kind of, I, I won't question him too much in terms of kind of like man management, how he puts the teams up because yeah. he's got a proven ra- uh, track record. He, he's got, how many, how many was it, like 12, 12 promotions out of this league or out, out of the football leagues? I don't know if it included leagues one and two. But he's got the experience, he's got a proven track record. You know, the stuff we've talked about, for all we know, the the shots are kind of like the front three and Akpom and stuff could have been used to, to motivate them. Uh, man management style on the hill and all that. Um, in terms of a blueprint, I just I, I think yesterday's game, like I said earlier, was always going to be awful. Um, let's not forget that Cardiff have been getting results up to yesterday when they essentially reached uh, play to side who were going to play the same way as them and we cancelled each other out and ended up just being one of many, many boring games against Cardiff that we've had over the years. Um, so, you know, it, it is a blueprint for, for success, I think, and I would like to see him stay on. But also, as I've said to, to you guys in, in our group chat, I think when it is time for, for Warnock to leave... I want to see some continue, uh, continuity in um, in who takes over. Because I do think, looking at some of our past management signings, that the club does want to play 4-3-3 uh, long, long term. I think going, even going back to when we have when we had Gary Monk, and he kind of set up in, in that formation. I remember going to a friendly against uh, Augsburg, I think it was. And... Watching as like Clayton was dropping into the the back two as the wingers uh, wing backs push forward and thinking this is never going to work this season and typically it didn't. Um, but then we've also in the last two years had Woodgate who said from the start he wanted to play that Warnock who said from the start he wants to play that. But like we said earlier, he is more adaptable. So I feel like it will be someone who plays that formation afterwards. Um, and I, I just want to make sure that uh, we've got the players here that suit that next manager um, so we're not having to start this process all over again. <laughs> rips, it, rips it up and starts all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it would be the Borough way, but... <laughs> it will be. Yeah, it's true. It's it's a, it's a, the short term of Warnock, I think, which people are scared of. But in terms of Warnock, like, what he built at Cardiff was fantastic. He got them up and they won a lot of games and managed to get to the Premier League. Yeah, of course, it didn't work out there, but... Uh, you know he, he has a great record there, and he's he's won the most promotions anywhere else. So you can't knock him at all. Like there is frustrations, and sometimes the style, and it can be it can be frustrating to watch. Like yes, how many times we knock the ball along the land of the Giants? It was just kind of like mm, I, I don't really see where we're going with it. You can always be critical, but you can't knock what he's done. And the facts show that he is the most successful manager in the championship, and it is for a reason. Um, so. Ideally, would you want him to stay on? I think yes, but if we do want him to stay on, then we have to have that continuity, which you mentioned there, Tom. Like, if he goes, then are we going to play a similar style? And if we're not going to play a similar style, what's the point of Warnock staying this season? Because we may as well just get rid of him now and then, so at the end of the season, and then implement something that you really want to do because Borough could be in a really good position at the end, in, at the end of the season because you'll see the likes of maybe Fletcher go, you'll see Brick go, you'll probably see. If Neymar might not sign on, so he might go. Um, you haven't got a goalkeeper at all because Archer's a, sh- a short-term deal, and so Bettinelli's on loan. Um, what else have you got? You, you, you're losing quite a lot of players anyway, so it'd be perfect for a manager to come in and build something quite quickly, but they have to come in straight away because that window is very, very short in the summer. So it's, you know, it, it's uh, Borough could uh, struggle quite a bit next year if if Warnock didn't. To, uh, didn't sit down. But next question, and it, it leads quite nicely onto onto Coventry as well. But Danny said again, um, the, the subs changed the game. But why do we wait so long? Would you play Cabano, Spence, and Johnson on Tuesday, Dana? I definitely play Cabano. I did um, do a team for the Coventry game, and I did put Johnson in there. But I think it's harsh to drop to drop ball. I mean, I did do it in a three-five-two, my favorite formation. But in a in a four-three-three. Yeah, I think you could make a case for Johnson starting the game. I mean, I know you said there statistically he is our most creative player. 
um, along with Tav, actually, I'd say. I don't know where Tav actually places in that, but Tav is quite creative himself. So I would like to see Johnson um, get a, a start. I think Cabano has to start after his coming off the bench. I would actually start Cabano for the rest of the season, to be honest. I think he is a really important player for us. And if we do want to make a late playoff push, we have to start Cabano for me. Um, Spence, it's, um, it's difficult with Spence because... Again, it's, you know, what is his best position? Is it right wing back? Is it right back? Is it right wing? It's a difficult one. He's sort of stuck in the head and Coulson issue. But um, I think Spence is a decent option off the bench. I wouldn't um, take Dyke Steele away from right back or from that back line at the moment. So I would definitely start Cabana. I think he made a, a really positive impact um, yesterday. And I do... I do agree with Danny. I don't know why he didn't come on earlier. I think he probably should have came on around the 60-minute mark to because I, I feel like we left it too late <clears throat> yesterday. You know, we <clears throat> we played pretty well for the last 15, 20 minutes. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, we, we could have won the game had we maybe made those changes earlier. So I'd definitely start Cabano. I think I'll make a case for, for Johnson. I think Spence is, um, Spence is a decent option off the bench. Okay, then well, that leads quite nicely to, to Coventry, guys. Coventry, a team that is struggling in the championship table now, just one, one. I think it's one point above IR Crankers Birmingham, who are the fourth uh, fourth bottom in the championship. But with, they have got a gap there. They've got like a seven-point gap between Rotherham, uh, who's hold the last uh, the last relegation place, but they do have two games in hand. So I'll pass the mic over to you. Let's break down Coventry C. So in terms of form, they're currently 20th in the table and the 20th in the form table as well uh, over the last six games. Um, they've only won one in the last five. They drew 1-1 with Blackburn yesterday um, with Ostergaard getting sent off in that game. Um, so that hopefully might uh, benefit us a bit on on Tuesday. Um, before that, they lost 1-0 to Swansea. Uh, they got the win they got in that last five was against Brentford the week before that. They beat them 2-0. Um, but before that, they lost 2-0 to Norwich and 3-1 to Cardiff. Yeah, I was um, I was looking into sort of the, the... They don't tend to score a lot, and I was looking into that sort of statistic. They've actually only scored five goals in the last seven games. Their main striker, Matt Godden, is out with a foot injury. He's only played, I think, 14 games for them this season, but they typically play with um, three at the back. Of late, it's been a 3-4-1-2 formation with Walker and BMU up top because Matt Godden um, is out injured. Like Tom said, Leo Segar got set off in the game against Lapburn for two um, yellow cards, and his set of defensive um, he said about partners, sorry, Luke Hyam, um, I've, I've, I've identified as a weak link just based on what Coventry fans said. It was actually his um, mistake, I'd say, for the Blackburn goal. Um, it was a cross that came in and it was a, a swing and a miss, really, of a, of a clearance. And then it fell to Sam Gallagher and he scored from it. Um, apparently, in the first half, he was quite poor. And then in the second half... Um, he improved, but all in all, <laughs> the Coventry fans were saying that um, you know he's Bambi on ice and he's too slow. So there's a, a you know a potential area for Borough to exploit. But I think similarly to the reverse fixture at the Riverside, they'll probably look to be compact centrally and work it out wide to the wing backs. Um, Dabo and, and McCallum, who had a good game against Blackburn, by all accounts, you know they contained us really well up here. And I remember it took us quite a while to actually make the breakthrough. It was it was the the game that Sam Morsey had fantastic display. And um, Jed Spence scored, and we all, you know, our phones blew up with the Manjaro's tweet. So hopefully he can score again. Um, but I think you know Coventry have a good uh, a good side. Absolutely love Gus Hamer. He's my favourite um, non-Borough player in the Championship. What an absolute honey badger he is. Um, definitely <laughs> one to definitely want to watch. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. But I think the problem for them is that individual mistakes have essentially put them in this, the, the position that they're in. One fan said that they've been blighted by um, mistakes this season, which is which is true. But another um, potential weakness that Borough um, can exploit is what I said earlier about through balls. Through balls are Coventry's kryptonite. You know, they don't have the pace to deal with the ball in behind. We saw it ourselves with Mozzie's through ball for Britain's Ambalonga's goal. I'd say, you know, get it down the channels, try to make them uncomfortable, play the ball along the floor, um, and hopefully we can get something out of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very tough game, but I quite like Mark Robinson's side. They're a young 
a very, very young team, aren't they? And they've got some good quality players that can come through. Um, for them, I think Callum O'Hare. I think he's on. He was on loan from Aston Villa. But I'm not too sure if he's if he's made it a permanent deal. He has. Yeah. Um, he has. He's made it permanent. Yeah. So, yeah, a, a good, good quality player. They've got some good. They've got some, they've got some talent there. I think it's a similar to Barnsley, really, where Barnsley have a very, very young side. But when they get going and once they hit form, they could be a very, very good side to watch in the Championship. This, this year, if they don't and they go down and have to come back up again, then that's just part of the process. But Mike Romans is doing a great job um, at Coventry. So let's go for predictions. How are we feeling? We're away from home, guys. Remember, so we can be a little bit more optimistic. I know this podcast has been quite <coughs> difficult because it's a, uh, you know, the performance wasn't inspiring. Can we say really yesterday? And that was it's on Tuesday night either. So yeah, let's go for predictions. How are we feeling? St. Andrews, we had a good performance there a, a few weeks ago at the start. Of this, in, was it December, was it? Yeah, December, it was, January. Yeah. I feel like every, every day is rolling into one at the minute, isn't it? So, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we won 4 1 down right against ITAR. So, that's how we feeling. Win, draw, defeat. Tom, how are we feeling? I'm going to go 2 0 win. Um, actually, no, I'm, I'm, I think we're going to go 1 0 win. Uh, yeah. I can just see it being kind of one of those games where it's quite scrappy and we're we're holding on by the end. Um, I, I think, as, as Dana just said there, we, with Coventry looking to shift out of the wing-backs quite a lot, hopefully that'll play into our hands and the fact that we can defend crosses really well. Um, it just depends on, on someone uh, getting the goal at the other end. So, yeah, I'm going to go 1-0. 1-0 for Tom. Turner, how are we feeling? We're going to end on a positive note. Yeah, I think it depends on what Borough turns up, to be honest. Because we're away from home, I do have more optimism. So I'm going to go 2-0 Borough. 2-0 Borough. I'm going to go 2-1. I can see, I can still see Coventry scoring. Um, but I do think we'll get the three points at St. Andrews. And hopefully get our, get our confidence back up. And hopefully Borough can bring us up to knock us back down again like they have this week. So... That's pretty much it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. And Borough's home farm continues to suffer. Maybe it's time we should start looking to play somewhere else very similar to Coventry we do. Uh, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was how you match their chatter in a pod. <laughs>